Good morning, Adam. Hello, Jack. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Jack. I'm excited today. Extra excited yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I am too, but geez, maybe we aren't in, 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 uh, excited about the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited about our... Our, our our guest today, who has this, the same hairstyle we do, which is a good thing. It's, you know, it's one of the, one of the, the key criteria we, we look for with folks. Jack is having that having that, that that nice bald head to go around. Right, it's a good thing. That's right. That's what I'm excited about too. So we're on the same page already. That's a good thing. That's right. So welcome to, to another edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. As we said, um, as you know, we often will bring on entrepreneurs to kind of share their stories, and we're always looking for interesting folks to talk to. And one of them is, is going to be our guest today. His name is Greg McAfee uh, with McAfee Heating and Air. And we're going to hear a little bit about, about Greg's story, kind of what he's done, the progress he's made over the years and in, in, in about 30 years of business, but the ups and downs is part of that as well. We're looking forward to hearing kind of Greg's story. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. <clears throat> our pleasure. We're looking forward. We're looking forward to this discussion. So, uh, we find it. We find it's always a good place to kind of start if you can just kind of uh, give our audience just, just a little bit of a background, kind of kind of where you're coming from, because usually what happens is, is you kind of share a little bit of your background, Greg. Uh, many of our listeners will often relate to that because they often can can see themselves as part of that as well. So why don't you give us a little background, kind of, you know, starting with kind of where you grew up and kind of let's go from there. Sure. I grew up in a town called Mansfield, Ohio. Um, we were basically blue collar. Um, my my. <clears throat> grandfather had retired from Firestone Tire and Rubber Company in Akron, Ohio, when Akron was the big rubber city. And my dad, you know, followed his footsteps and worked at Firestone as well. And I grew up in Mansfield. Um, I was I was always a hard worker. I never did. I just never did do well in school as well as I could have. I didn't like school. It was very boring to me. Um, but I always worked. I, I had a paper route. I had a vegetable route. I had um, odd and end jobs. I mowed yards for neighbors, all that kind of stuff that you could do back then. And um, when I graduated, I finally barely graduated high school. Um, I uh, college was not in my sights, and uh, I was I was uh, I graduated when I was seventeen, and um, right before I turned nineteen years old, I was working two jobs, um, and my dad came to me and said, uh, hey, if you want in Firestone, I can get you in. He said, we're moving to Dayton, Ohio, and uh, you'll be the first, you'll be the 15th person out of probably 100 people um, if you want to get in. And uh, I said, absolutely. So um, Dayton was about two hours away from Mansfield. Uh, I load, I came down and interviewed, got the job, all that stuff. And uh, found an apartment to live in, and I loaded up a pickup truck. That's all I had was a bed, few a few pieces of furniture, and I moved to Dayton at 19 years old. Um, I worked at Firestone, and I uh, Firestone was a distribution center, so it was just a huge warehouse of tires. Um, I threw a lot of tires, so it kept me in really good shape, and I worked hard. I broke a lot of records loading and unloading trucks wasn't very popular with the uh, union United rubber workers. Um, I love the part of making good money at 19, but as far as the rules of what we had to uh, do and the uh, warehouse manager actually started putting goals up on the bulletin board of our uh, loading and unloading, basically metrics like we use today. And the union made him take it down. So you can just imagine your company today without goals 
or you know um, <coughs> metrics and stuff like that. So anyway, um, so that, I still kept breaking records even though they weren't put up on a board. Uh, but probably about the uh, fifth year into it, let's see, yeah, fifth year into it, uh, fourth or fifth year into it, I decided I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So I actually joined the Marine Corps and uh, Firestone held my job. So I served time in the Marine Corps and then I came back and I... Um, what did you do, four years? I did two years active duty and then the rest reserve. Okay. But when I got, when I got, when I got back <clears throat> and was still in the reserves, Firestone held my job. And I, um, so I went back to work at Firestone, but the neat part about this is I took a refrigeration course in the Marine Corps just randomly for, a, for an MOS credit. And I liked it. I did well on the test. And uh, so when I got back, went back to work at Firestone, started taking heating and air conditioning classes at night. It was within those classes I remember saying, one day I'm going to have my own business. I just don't know how or I don't know when. And that's what sparked an, inter an interest in heating and air. Um, although I do tell my dad one time years and years ago, I was probably 14 years old, <laughs> I was standing there with the refrigerator door open. And my dad said, um, um, you should go into refrigeration. You'll always have work. <laughs> so <laughs> I told him, I said, you remember that? He said, no, but I remember you always having the refrigerator door open. Um, but I said, you inspired me more than, you know, to go into heating and air. Um, so that's, that's where the spark started. Um, I then graduated from heating and air school. Um, I left Firestone. I took a 50% pay cut and got into heating and air conditioning. And that's what I tell young people all the time, you know, in, uh, getting out of school, getting into trade school, getting out of college, you know, sometimes you got to take a pay cut and learn a lot. You know, it will pay off. Everybody today <clears> seems <throat> to want to start off at the top dollar. And, uh, I, you know, I guess if you can, you can. But um, I, I, I see more benefit starting at the bottom and working your way up and learning more. So I start uh, the first heating and air conditioning company. It's pretty funny, actually. Um they were a small company. They'd been in business for many years. And I, I did my best there. I worked there for nine months. He, he brought me in his office one day and said, um, you're, you're just not working out. You'll never make it as a mechanic. And he fired me. <laughs> so uh, I, that was a great way to start my new career. Right, right. Um, so, of course, it's just like it was back then. Two days later, I had another job for a dollar more an hour. And um, this guy took a little bit more time with me. Uh, put me with a really good service technician and I started learning more and more about servicing. But what I found out best was that I knew how to sell. Um, I started talking to customers, asking them a few questions about their system. Is this something you, you know, have thought about replacing? And they, you know, I found out um, that I just basically built trust very fast. And by that trust, I experienced really good results. And at that company, at one time, I was out selling their main salesman um, as a service technician. So um, I just got good at talking to people. I really wasn't a salesperson. I was really more of just um, building trust, 
making an offer. They would say yes. And then someone would take it from there. So I, I just got really good at that. So that company ended up um, struggling a lot. I, I was there a little bit over a year. And um, in 1990, um, I basically got married, bought a house and started McAfee Heating and Air. Um, I, was, I was planning on waiting a little bit longer before I started McAfee. However, when the company, when that second company laid me off, I said, what do we have to lose? Let's just put our shingle out. I bought a used truck for $2,500, a Ford Ranger. I put a service cap on it. It didn't have air conditioning. And I had um, 500 or sorry, $274 in the bank and uh, for of mine. And that's what I started with. I bought a little bit of stock. I, you know, I had the basic hand tools. I bought a little bit of stock and started making just a ton of phone calls and wore out a lot of shoes knocking on doors. And that's how I, that's how I kicked this thing off. Wow. Okay. That's, that's good. That's, that's a, that's a good summary. You're, you're putting a lot of stuff into, into a handful of minutes there. It's really good. What, what really jumped out at me, you talked about how you really just didn't, didn't like school. You found school boring and we, we have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs we talk to who feel the same way, and um, many uh, have actually dropped out of school. Either you know they, they didn't even finish school, right? <laughs> but much like you, they get other training, right? So here's a guy that that, that hates school, yet here you are working a full time job, going to night school for HVAC classes, right? So the the key was is trying to find stuff that you liked, and it's one of those things that we we try to explain to people. And I, I I try to explain it to my kids. I have an 18 year old and 15 year old. I keep talking about school. I said you know school has certain things, not everything, right? I go, and part of the idea of school is to try to find things that you like and that you're good at, and then you can maybe find a way to kind of make a career out of it. But if you don't find things that, there that you like, I go, well, there's a lot of other, a lot of other things that are out there as well. So, um, you know, hearing a story like yours, you know, Greg, is fantastic to kind of look, hey, folks, you know, this idea of, hey, you have to go to college. Again, that's that's good for some people, but not, not necessarily for everybody, right? You, you right. try to find things that you really like and enjoy, because if you do, you'll put the time and effort into it, right? I mean, you know, most people, you know, aren't willing to, 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 to put in that time and effort, right? Work that full time job, going to school, you know, you know, on your off hours, right? I mean, that's a that's a wonderful thing. So that was yeah. that was very 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 impressive. It seems it seems the trades for sure are becoming more popular today. You know, usually economic reasons push these kinds of changes. I mean, it makes great sense to graduate high school and go take a trade and be serious about it. And as far as an annual salary or annual compensation, it's it's terrific. It's a great way to go. How oh, it uh, got replaced so much by go to college. Only twenty five percent of the the uh, you know the, the the current generation basically college age goes to college, right. and it's it's being rediscovered again that the trades are where it should be, and or it certainly can be. So that's refreshing to see. And you were ahead of your time, though. <laughs> well, there's so many, especially today, there's so many parents pushing kids into college that are not college material. And that's exactly. why we have, we have over a 50% freshman <laughs> dropout rate going on in every college because they get in there and they're like, this isn't for me. And it's just a waste of money and a waste of time. And, uh, you you know, it's it's better for it's really better for someone to graduate and almost wait a year or go into the, go into the military for a little bit, figure out what you want to do, earn some money while you're, 
you know, working. It's definitely guaranteed income for a while. But uh, yeah, so many kids are pushed into college that are not college material. They're definitely, they can definitely be good trades people, but so many times trades are looked down upon and, and people don't realize that you can make a very good living in the trades. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, colleges, I think, have discredited themselves to the product they have. And uh, it's, it's starting to change, especially if you're looking at a price tag coming out of college of 100000 bucks or more, or whatever it's going to be in student debt. Uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily for everybody, as you say. That's for sure. No, you know, in the trades, your point, you know, since my earliest days, you know, my, my parents started uh, as an advertising firm, but what they were geared towards is, is kind of tool companies. And those tool companies were, were focused on the trades folks. And so since my earliest days, my dad always talked about it. They said, hey, people are thumbing their nose at folks in the trades. He goes, hey, you can be a, you can be a, a plumber, electrician, HVAC guy. He said, you, you can be making six figures, have your own thing and, and, and be in your early to mid twenties. He said, you know, What's wrong with that? And, and plus, you can't outsource it, right? You need people. You need, you need people to kind of do stuff, right? So, since my earliest days, you know, I, I've been thinking that way. But to, to your point, Greg, that's more unusual. Most people are, are getting kind of pushed into, you know, pushed in these different ways. And so, but you, you also seem very self-aware, you know, from the standpoint of, um, you know, as the, the the different jobs you had. You know, to your point, the, the, the one where all of a sudden, hey, you're you're a tech, but here you are doing some sales. And like, hey, you know what? Not only am I Good at this, I actually, actually kind of like this, right? It, it just it kind of seems natural. So, you know, part of that is, is just us kind of pay attention to ourselves a little bit and just kind of being aware of what our natural tendencies and skills are and what we enjoy. Because at the end of the day, you know, it shouldn't be work, right? It shouldn't be you, know, you shouldn't be going and, and be miserable all the time, you know. So it, it should be it should be some fun. Now, it doesn't mean you don't work at it, right? Obviously, right. You, you, you put the work in, but if you find those things that you enjoy, that's yeah. that's fantastic. So. So you, you always had kind of that, that, like I said, you had that thought you know, during school that, hey, eventually we're, we're going to start a company. Um, uh, you know, maybe this is too early to ask, but, you know, so you, you got married and bought a house and, and the business. So the marriage still going? Marriage is still going strong. Still going? Okay, fantastic. Marriage, yeah, boy. All right. So marriage and business are both still going. <laughs> Makes it easy to, to, to remember the uh, anniversaries, right? In terms of how many I years. I say it all the time. <laughs> yeah. keep, keep, keeps them that simple. That's, that's fantastic. So, um. I love that you started with, you know, 274 bucks and a used truck with no air conditioning. Love it. Here's HVAC guy coming around with sweating his butt off because he doesn't have AC in his truck. So, yeah. all right. And, and if I recall, you, you mentioned you, you'd done a little market research to, to understand kind of where you stood at that point. So what number were you ranked in terms of your, <clears throat> your, your market area? What number were you when you first started out? Sure. Well, after I started, I started researching how many heating and air conditioning companies, companies were in the Dayton area. And I found out that there were approximately 500 heating and air conditioners, 489, and I was 490. <laughs> uh, I wasn't even listed. So I was 490 out of, you know, 490. And um, so I also, you know, just for, um, for those listening that just can't get your business to take off as fast as you think it should, <clears throat> I watched, I, I took off and I, I, I had a very slow process. Someone asked me the other day, they said, if you're, if someone starts up today, do you think they could grow faster than what you did? I said, absolutely. Especially if they're in a hotter climate than the Midwest. Um, but I said, um, I was very slow growth. I did it debt free. Um, I only knew what I knew. I didn't have any business experience. I didn't have any business education. Um, so I, I read a book called Business by the Book by Larry Burkett. It was just basically uh, biblical um, principles of running a business. And I just applied those from day one and we still apply them today. But that's all I knew. That was my first business book I ever read. 
Um, so I watched, but I watched these other companies starting up the first couple of years I'd been in business and they were driving brand new trucks and brand new box trucks. And they had all this stuff going on. And I, and I just kept wondering, what am I doing wrong? Um, well, little did I know I was doing everything right. Um, those companies didn't last. They, they didn't last at all. They're gone today. They're not even around. And I'm still here. And not only am I still here, but I gradually worked from 490 to 450 to 400 to 350 to 300, all the way to number one. 2016, we figured out through a lot of surveys and stuff that uh, a lot of questionnaires done through third parties that, uh, that we worked our way to number one in our residential market. And we've kept that every year. Um, and you know, it's harder to stay number one than it is to get number one. And if you want to know how I got to number one, I'll give you a couple. I'll, I'll give you a couple of things that we did that just basically blew everybody away that had been in business 30, 40, 50, 75 years. Um, but that's what we did in a, you know, in a 25 year period. We worked from 490 to number one. Wow. Okay. So, so what were a couple of those key things that, that you did? You know, you know, being debt free. And as you were talking, I was thinking. You're doing things exactly right. You see those, those bright, shiny new objects and everything else. It's like, wait a minute. They're putting the, 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 the cart before the horse for sure. You got to make sure you can pay for those things. So what were a couple of those key things that you said that, that, that help with your growth? Yeah. So the first thing, and, I, and I, I'll fast forward just a second, but today I coach and consult and hold uh, boot camps and seminars, and I teach other HVAC, plumbers, electricians, and all that uh, trades, landscapers, lawn care, roofers. Um, I, I teach them this, these principles and basically you've got to be willing to, it's very simple, but not everybody grasps it because it's, it's, even though it's simple to hear, it's hard to do. You've got, you cannot be like everybody else. You've got to do things differently than everyone else. So what everyone else is doing, you've got to take a different route. Um, while everybody was zigging, I was zagging. And um, basically just taking care of people better than anyone else. And when you just take care of people, they tell someone else, they tell someone else, they tell someone else. I didn't have all the skills. I didn't have the big building yet. I was working out of a kitchen table for about a year and a half. And then I built a garage behind our house and it was only 24 by 24. So I split it down the middle, half office, half warehouse. <clears throat> and we worked out of that garage for six solid years. I had about six people by the time we moved out of the garage. But so number one is just zig, zig when everyone else zags, think differently than everyone else. Um, don't be afraid to go door to door. Don't be afraid to make phone calls. It was a little bit easier back then because we had a crisscross directory, which had everyone's landline in it. And you could just go down the, you could just go down the book and pick one street and go all the way down the street and call every, every house. And I'm sure those I, days. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure they have something today for cell phones. I'm sure you could get the same thing. You just got to take the time to do it, find it. Um, and then just do what you say you're going to do. You know, there's so many companies that they, they, they tell a customer one thing and they don't, they don't follow through and make <clears> it happen. <throat> and then they start getting a bad reputation. And number three is handle your finances well. Um, we were debt free for quite a while, and then we invested in. I, I got a, a pretty good sized loan to to uh, 
break ground and build a new building. We went from that garage to an 11,000 square foot building in a very nice area. And uh, I ended up le uh, taking the back half and leasing the front. But um, so I did go into debt and I ended up, you know, leveraging qu quite a bit of money. But my goal was to eventually become debt free again. And I did uh, both personally and business today. We're 100% debt free. And I'm not against borrowing. I'm just I'm for borrowing smart and having a plan to pay it off. Um, so number three was handle your finances, finances well and <clears throat> pay your team on time. They should never miss a paycheck and pay your suppliers on time, if not early. Um, so those kind of, those, again, those kind of simple things will pay off in the long run, but not everyone can do them because they're not easy to do. And uh, so those are just three things that just really took us um, from 490 to number one. Um, on top of just being extremely creative, our advertising and marketing blows people out of the water. Um, but that's a whole nother story. But I think those key things will really help people. Oh, those are those are good insights. People will often ask about debt. You know, to your points, why is debt good or bad? And it's like it's not a it's not a good or bad question. It, it depends how you're using it and what's kind of going on. And and most importantly, is having that plan to pay it back. You know, in terms right. of what's kind of going on. And and so and and what's nice about uh, often you see in the trades is you know if you can buy a piece of equipment or or, or a machine or or a tool or, or a vehicle. Usually you can you can forecast pretty quickly how it's going to pay for itself, you know. And if you can't, it's like okay, well then what, what are we buying this for? Maybe we, we need to, you know, to your point. If you look at that first six or seven years of what you're doing, hey, we're being very frugal in terms of what you're doing. You aren't going out and spending until you you know you can't you can't take it anymore. And so we've seen that a lot where folks, you know, they keep it in the house until it's almost bursting. And once they get out of the house, it's amazing how the, the company will often kind of double or triple. So I'm curious. Once, once you move, did you see that kind of almost, I want to say almost instant or immediate jump where all of a sudden you, you, you doubled or tripled within, within the, those first couple of years of moving because you had just packed so much and so, so little space. And by the time you actually got out, it's like, hey, we can breathe and do stuff and, and, and things just start, kind of start to happen. Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was a neat experience. We were very blessed. I mean, when I was in that garage, I sold the biggest job we've ever sold to date. Um, first of all, so I was in that garage and, um, um, a guy, oh, we'll just call him Dave. His first name was Dave. He called me and said, Greg, I own a 500 unit apartment complex. I have 500 1947 Lennox furnaces. I want to replace those. And I want to add 500 air conditioners. Were you, are you interested in bidding? I said, absolutely. So we went over there. I've never done anything at this capacity in my life, but I had a plan I went to my suppliers and I got my prices down. If I bought 500 of these, what could I get them for? 500 of everything, line sets, disconnects, pads, everything. And I got my pricing down so low, it was unreal. And I gave this guy a bid, it was a million dollar job. So I was doing 2,000 a unit and still making good money. And uh, he got three other estimates and it, we must not have been like the lowest because he didn't jump on it right away. I kept following up with him, following up with him. And finally, I said, what's holding you back? What, what can we do to get this job? And he said, I just I don't know if the units are going to fit between the porches. And I just haven't checked that out yet. So as soon as I hung up, I grabbed two units and a helper. We drove over there. I went and got him. I put the two units between the porches. There were plenty of room. I said, what do you think? He goes, you got the job. 
He goes, that's, I'm impressed. Um, so I got <laughs> I the job it. and he said, I honestly, he said, I need it done over two year period. So for two years, we never had a downtime. I used it as a fill. We, you know, when <clears> we didn't have anything to do, I mean, we were, everyone was over there working. How nice is that? Boy, how, how often do those come along? And we just yeah. called it mailbox money because this guy just mailed checks in, you know, two or three checks at a time. And it just kept showing up. And we, like I said, we were blessed. And so when we, we were and we sold that out of a garage. So and I never I never invited anyone to the garage. I delivered everything free. If they needed a filter. I deliver it free because I didn't want to I didn't want anybody to know I worked out of a garage. So then when we moved into the building, here it was this really nice facility. I invited everybody and their brother to the building. Here, come and pick the filter up at my building um, because it was just an image thing. And that's also <laughs> very important. You've got to put on a you've got to put on a good image. You know, your image reflects your work. Your image reflects your team and your image reflects um, your integrity. It really does. If you work out of a, you know, a dirty old garage. Ours wasn't dirty, by the way. You could walk into my office in the garage and think you were right here in my office because it was just not, I had it remodeled. It was nice. Um, but some of these guys are just working out of stuff that people drive by and they go, nah, I don't want them in my house. <laughs> so you've got to consider your yeah, image. There's, there's a lot of truth to that. I agree with you. I'm curious. I'm curious. I want to come back. One of the things you talked about in terms of in terms of the taking care of your finances, you talked about paying your people on time and then yeah. paying your paying your suppliers and vendors on time or perhaps early. So I'm going to guess you you have some positive stories of things that have come out of that uh, down the road that you know, people have done some good stuff for you because you've been doing that. So whether it be employees that you know again, <coughs> are there a couple of stories that, where that's happened where either suppliers come to help you because of you know that, that relationship that you've done where you know. You're always treating them well, so they come to take care of you. Or the same thing's been true for your employees. Are there a couple stories like that you could you could share with us, Greg? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, um, from that business by the book, it said, "Pay your suppliers on time. Pay your people on time. Take care of your customers." I mean, those are part of the, the part of the principles, and um, and we did that from day one. So when when you get the reputation from your suppliers that you're paying early. So in other words, if your suppliers offer you a discount to pay by the 10th of every month, you take that discount and you use it because to fast forward 31 years today, we get tens of thousands of, we save tens of thousands of dollars paying early to our suppliers. And I negotiate that number. So if it's 1%, I get it up to two. If it's 2%, I try to get it up to three. The more I can get that percentage up, the supplier loves it because they're getting their cash fast. We love it because we're saving several thousand dollars now per statement. And it, it, today we can pay um, a really well-paid employee from what we save uh, just paying early. You got to pay it anyway. You might as well pay it early. Um, and then number two with the employees, um, Again, we've been blessed. We've never missed a paycheck. We've never missed a paycheck. And I've got someone that's been with me 28 years, and I always use him as an example in a company meeting. And I turn to him and I say, Chris, have you ever missed a paycheck? And he has to say no. <laughs> uh, he never has missed a paycheck. So it's very important to me because I would much rather pay my team first before I even get paid. And I used to have to do that. 
I'd much rather pay my suppliers first before I get paid. And I used to have to do that too. Um, so those things are all important. But when people come here from other companies, it's so refreshing to them to not have to worry about getting paid. So that's a, that must be a big issue in our industry that having to worry about getting that paycheck on time or going to the gas station and your credit card, you know, actually working there. I've been told by several employees who work for other companies that sometimes they had to take their own credit card out and get gas and then have to worry about getting reimbursed. Um, so just handling your financing, finances rather, and paying people on time, just very important. Yeah, it's it's a more common challenge than, than I think most folks would realize. And, and, you know, to your point, one of the things that we often hear people talking about, you know, hey, if you're going to be in business, make sure you pay yourself first. And it's like, if you're going with that mentality, I understand we want to get paid. But again, you got to have certain things you have to do to make sure that you you, you build things the right way before you get paid. So it's something like that that's a big part of what you were doing as well. Um, you mentioned about kind of zigging versus zagging. And one of the things that you talk about, you know, as we're uh, prepping for this, you mentioned the importance of nonprofits and, and being involved in the community. So is that kind of one of the areas that, that it's been a, a key, I think, for you for, from a success standpoint to kind of get, get your, your name out there, but something that you were doing that may, may have been different from the, the other folks in, the, in your industry at that point in time? Yeah, we started, um, we started giving uh, from, from day one. Um, I'm sorry. I, I sent you something to listen to. Um, we started giving from uh, the first year. If you look at my desk, um, on my first little desk in our spare bedroom, um, there was a couple of pictures on top of it, and it was and it was little league teams. And we yeah. started sponsoring little league teams from the beginning. You know, number one, when you're a new business, it's just cool to see your name on shirts. Number two, I'm I always played sports. I played little league. So I love to support kids. Um, so we would even attend before our, me and my wife had kids, we would attend some of the games just because we thought it was cool to watch McAfee play. Um, <laughs> but um, so we started supporting kids and youth events at an early age in business, which just led to much bigger stuff. I got involved with the American Lung Association of Dayton. Since we do indoor air quality, it tied in with everything we do which led to, then they moved out of Dayton and I like to support local, you know, stuff, which led to, after that, we formed our own foundation for children and youth. And uh, we um, partnered with uh, Children's Hospital and we gave to the uh, pulmonary ward, which is um, breathing uh, kids with, uh, you know, uh, asthma, allergy, COPD, even lung cancer. And uh, we started supporting that really heavy. Um, but we're, we're involved today. We're involved in that. We're involved in the Salvation Army. We, we support a lot of kids through that. We have um, our own scholarship program today. We're for seniors in high school. We do a $25,000 scholarship each year for 10, 10 students. So 2,500 each. And it can be trade school, it can be college. Um, and it's more, it's the scholarship programs called You Can Count On Me. Um, it's not just a McAfee scholarship. It's, it's um, I used to have a saying in our company at the tagline that used to say, you can count on my company because you can count on me. And so we called it the You Can Count On Me scholarship because 
the scholarship's not given away for grades. And I always have to joke to the parents that come to the ceremony, if it was just about grades, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, if it's about how can we count on you as a student, what are you doing to make a difference in other people's lives? And I'm going to tell you something out of, we get 350 to 400 <clears throat> applicants. We have a three panel judge, judge it three, uh, a, a panel of three judges. And it's hard. It's hard to get down to 10. There are some great. I bet it is. I bet it is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Just you're, you're separating hair so thin that, yeah, very tough. Yeah. So, and then we also let the students nominate a teacher that made a difference in their life. We bring the teacher in and we give them a $250 check to buy material for their classroom. So when we've been doing this for 10 years, so, you know, we've given over $250,000 in scholarship money and uh, just helped a lot of kids. I mean, uh, $2,500 can buy a lot of books, you know, it's a pretty health, it's a pretty healthy scholarship. Yes, and uh, so we're glad to do that. We do we do a wide variety of stuff for our community because we're just very involved. Um, we have a truck or treat. Now, we haven't had it since COVID, but we have a truck or treat, which we're going to start back up next year, 2022. The last time we had it in 2019, we had um, over 4,000 children in our oh. on our property. Um, <laughs> we had about 40 different companies here representing trades. And they were giving away candy and they, some of them really put on some cool stuff. They had games going on and all that stuff, but people came from all over to bring their kids through because it was a Saturday afternoon, very safe environment. Um, I sponsor a lot of law enforcement. So we had a lot of law enforcement here, which made it safer. And uh, we had fire. I have a fire department right across the street. So they had their fire trucks out there for kids. We'd bring in a, uh, bring in a big crane and drop a big flag, United States flag, um, just cool stuff. You know, it went on for about three hours, three or four hours. And we just attract a lot of people to our property. Um, just to give you an idea, our parking lot goes around our building today. And it's a it's exactly a quarter mile um, because a lot of people here walk it. And uh, so we can get a lot of trucks around the building and people just come in and walk, the, walk around the building. So it's just another event for the community. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it it's, is, it's, that's impressive. Very impressive. So this, this is, Thanks. this is, this is a wonderful story and, 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 and as folks are kind of listening, but I, I know that they can relate to, to, to a lot of what you've kind of been through kind of what you're doing. And, and it's great to hear kind of what you're planning to do, then how you've started to kind of make it a reality in terms of like, you know, whether it be giving back and how you're, how you're treating your people, how you're treating your, your vendors are all very important parts of this. And so one of the things that, that we often hear or see, and, 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 and I think it's true in the marketplace, people figure, hey, you know what, oh, it's an interesting story, Greg, it's great, but hey, you know what, you're 30 years into this thing, man, you know what I mean? So you're on, you're on, you're on Coast City, you got everything kind of figured out, no worries, no problems whatsoever, everything's, everything's just absolutely great, isn't it, right? So yeah. Let's take a little shift here and let's talk about, you know, here you are 30 years in and, and, and uh, about a year and a half ago, um, there's, there's something that kind of came out and, 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 and there's, there's people are, are aware of the, the, the current uh, cancel culture that's kind of out there. Yeah. And there's something that happened about a year and a half ago. I'd like you to kind of explain to our audience kind of what happened where all of a sudden you went from feeling on top of the world, things are going great to where all of a sudden you felt like, hey, you know what, maybe maybe I should kind of drop the mic and kind of, and, and kind of get out of here. So give folks a sense of kind of 
what happened here about 15 months ago. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'm smiling because I am through it now. Uh, when I was going through it, it wasn't as pleasant. Um, oh, no. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on top of the world. Our company's growing. We're making things happen. We're very well known and popular in the community. Um, we're sponsoring hospitals. We're partnering with hospitals. We're partnering with uh, universities. Um, we're, we're on the top shelf with the Better Business Bureau, um, just making things happen. Well, very well known, very well respected. And then uh, during uh, June, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in May, June of last year, um, I start, I'm, I'm very active on my, uh, we're very active on our company Facebook for, for the company, but I'm also very active on my personal Facebook. I, I speak um, just, you know, basically during the tea party process years ago, I spoke at seven different tea parties in Ohio. Um, I don't bash any president. I just want to lift up America and make America better. That's how I speak. That's what I teach. Um, but so anyway, everybody knows where I stand. And I still, have, I still have thousands of customers who disagree with me, but they respect me. And you know, I was, I was well-respected. I'm still well-respected, but I had to jump through this, this fire here for a little bit. So on my Facebook page, the George Floyd issue happened. And um, people were making posts and I just posted, I posted what I felt, but it was just a very insensitive time. And I posted something and someone got a hold of it. By the way, I had over 200 and some likes. I mean, there were several people on there, very respected, reputable people on there agreeing with me, but that's hearsay. Someone took my post, copy and pasted it posted it live, took it out of context, and it went viral faster than you have ever seen anything go viral. And um, I, was, I was basically attacked and I, res I basically responded wrong. If I wouldn't have responded, it probably wouldn't have been half as bad. But when someone says, you know, I'm gonna burn down your building and I respond, I'll find out where you live but then they take out the burn down your building part and just say from Greg, I'll find out where you live. Or someone says um, you'll never work on my rentals. And I say, good, because we only work with homeowners, but you don't get to read the rentals part. You just see, I, Greg McAfee thinks he's so good. He only works with homeowners. Just put me in a really bad spot. And, um, it was at the time it was, you, everybody knows how sensitive the people were against the police and everything else during that time period in the middle of, this was in the middle of June of 2020 and I got attacked. And I mean, I got attacked hard. I, we lost several hundred customers. They were calling in by the hundreds, uh, and attacking my people. Why would you work for such a guy? Um, we got, we lost, we lost several hundred customers, the universities and the hospitals. Um, I have, I have, I, they are who they are, but I have very little respect. They bailed on me very quickly. They, if they would have just held out for a couple of weeks, all of it would, would have went away and we'd be fine today, but they bailed on me. And then the, our, our Dayton daily newspaper, which is, is basically hanging on by a shoestring. They wanted to of all I've of all I've done for them in, in 31 years, 30 years at the time, 
they made a big full page. Hospital drops McAfee. University of Dayton drops McAfee. Better Business Bureau drops McAfee. Just made me look terrible. Made me look worse than what it was. Um, we lost. We lost um, probably at the time. Twelve percent of our employees quit. Um, so I went through. I, I basically went through hell for a little bit, and I, and I basically went through. I don't get depressed often at all, and uh, everybody has a down day, but you know tomorrow's always better. Um, but I went through a couple of days of depression where I didn't know if I was just going to sell, just sell the darn thing. I didn't know who else was going to quit on me. I didn't know what else was going to happen. My guys were being flipped off on the road and run off the road and being looked at weird when they go in to get gas. I thought I was going to have to cover up all my logos. We actually ordered white vinyl. It's still in our warehouse. I was just going to cover up all the, the logos on the truck. I mean, it was that bad. And, uh, can you, can you get to the root cause of who does this? I mean, who, yeah. when, when something goes viral, just, just for a second, you know, when it goes viral, there, there's there got to be an initial source. Oh, yeah. There was a couple key people that really didn't like me to begin with. And uh, basically, the door, I left the door open and they took, an op- they took the opportunity and, uh, and did their best to hurt me. And, um, you know, I've, I've never said anything bad about them. They, they'll have to answer for what they did. Um, I just had to figure out how to react to what I did. And I've never been attacked or I've never needed, I've never needed an attorney to like, you know, get out of anything like that. So I really didn't know what to do. So I waited too long. I waited probably three days. I called my attorney and then they hooked me up with someone who deals with stuff like this. And they, this guy ended up writing a, um, an apology that I was supposed to read. And when I read it, I was like, I can't read this. This isn't even true. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I got with three friends who just happened to be black. And I said, hey, guys, I'm writing an apology. Everybody here knows what I said. You guys know who I am. And they agreed. I said, but you need to edit this before I read it. And I sent it to all of them. They edited it. I made changes. It, it, it fit exactly who I am. It came from my heart. So I um, got on my podcast and recorded everything and sent it to the Dayton Daily News, all the rate, all the media. It went, that went viral. That kind of took the heat off everything once I did that. Um, However, we're still sitting here with uh, nobody. Nobody came back to work. You know, the employees that left, they didn't return. <clears throat> now, I did have several customers come back over a period of time. But um, so we, we just kind of had to, I just had to regroup. I, I attended, a, uh, I did a lot of different things. Um, I attended, uh, a, um, somebody put me in contact with a guy in Texas. His name's Ford Taylor. Um, we're very good friends today, but he teaches a class called transformational leadership. He also dealt with a lot of racial problems in Cincinnati and helped the city of Cincinnati, um, work through a lot of things. So I stated, he actually invited me to his house. I stayed at his house for three days and he walked me through the, almost the entire course in a, in a crash course and gave me some ideas on how to, how to fix, continue to mend the community and the city and our team 
and everything else, because there were still some people here that I think they just lost trust in me. And that's what I've built everything on is trust. So I, I just, I went through hellfire. And um, as I look over here on my wall, one of my friends gave me this sign the week that happened, he made, went out and made it and brought it over here to me. But it says the comeback is always stronger than the setback. And I posted it on my wall and that's uh, still here. And it, and it turns out, you know, a year and a half later, that's exactly right. We've come back very strong. We had a record breaking June this year, one year, one year after the incident. Uh, I'm still mending with a lot of people, a lot of groups. Um, but it's been a process, but it's been a good one. And I tell people this every day. Uh, if I, There's been such positive change. I can't say I'd do anything different. That might sound weird, but I've, there's been so much positive change through the process of healing and mending. We're stronger today than we've ever been. I'm stronger today than I've ever been. So I don't, I don't think I'd have done anything different. Uh, that's good that you can say that, you know, and the outcome is is uh, favorable. So that's what, you know, that, that's that's what makes this a great story. Yeah. 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 Well, well, Fast forward a year and a half, it's a great story. But I'll tell you, that first month, <laughs> that's rough. Well, it, it, you know, it's rare, it's rare that the stories are good as you're going through them, Greg. You, you, you need that perspective and the time for, to make the stories, to make the stories good, right? And so, yeah. Uh, well, part of that too is you're going through that. You, you, I'm sure you find out who your friends are, you know, th through that process. And, and you talk too about you know how people were publicly handling things versus all of a sudden privately. You, you know, you, you're getting messages, you, you're getting phone calls, and you know, and things like that. But I, I think you you mentioned too is you took some 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 lessons out of this. One of the lessons you talked about was you know having been in that spot now where it's it's very lonely, right? And I think one of the things you talked about was the importance of if, if you know somebody going through that, you said, hey, make sure you reach out to that person just, just to touch base, just to let them know you're thinking about them, right? I mean, just you know, you, you know, you don't need to say just say, hey, I'm here, just you know, because yeah. you, you know, give people a little sense in terms of kind of what some of the things that kind of helped you through that. So you know, because I think all of us can relate. Maybe we haven't gone through what you've gone through. We all have people we know going through that, right? So yeah. how do we handle that in, in a way that's you know going to be accepted? Yeah. Um, so some of my friends backed off. Other friends would support. They supported me in different ways, just like a little text, you know, stay strong, you know, praying for you or stay strong. I'm thinking about you or, you know, just stay strong helps. Um, and then some people said, hey, let's do coffee. We need to talk. And uh, a good friend of mine, Monty Bush, he runs a uh, nonprofit for uh Children, uh, not children, youth, um, helping them graduate high school and get a job. And um, we met for breakfast and he gave me this book and um, it's called um, Strength for Service to God and Country. And this book was issued to World War II guys going into combat. And it's a full devotional. Um, each page is a day and it's a full 365 day devotional. He first he said, here, read this page. And I read the page and I go, kind of got emotional. I go, man, that's just for me. I go, thanks. He goes, um, it's yours. I go, what? He goes, the book, it's yours. And I said, um, he might as well gave me a million dollars. I said, um, it, it was unreal. This book, it, to me, it's worth a million bucks. And I read it every day. 
to and, and for 1942, it's written by it's written by 365 different priests and pastors across the United States back in 1942, and every one of these apply to today. It's amazing. So that was one little gift that I got that was worth gold to me. And then, you know, just guys staying in touch with me and taking me out for coffee or taking me out for breakfast. And, um, and some guys have actually went through similar stuff. I, I uh, actually, it opened up, it opened up a lot of friendships to um, law enforcement. And today we sponsor more law enforcement. I'm an honorary member of a, a very large FOP here. And we hold a crime stoppers meeting at my building. So it opened up all whole new friendships. So some of my friends that backed off, I mean, that's fine. They had to do what they had to do, but I made, a, I just made a ton of new friends through this who people could, all you need is just a little bit of empathy that goes, I know what you're going through, stay strong. And boy, that goes a long way. It's amazing. Like you said, you know, how many good things can come out of, can come out of something so terrible. And I think it, we, we've all experienced that in our lives where you go through a tough period and you mentioned people all of a sudden they open up about things that they've gone through that you, you weren't even aware of at that point. Right. So all of a sudden there's that instant, yeah. instant bonding to it. And, uh, that's, that's a wonderful gift. So, yeah. Well, like you said, things that things have taken a, a turn for, for the much better. Um, maybe a good place for us to kind of to end is is talking about the future here. You know, you're 31 years in, and you talked about uh, your son who had gone away to maybe be a professor for a bit. But you want to talk about kind of what some of the thoughts are in terms of what you're thinking about here over the next maybe kind of five, 10, 15 years of of McAfee, kind of what you're looking to do, and kind of what you know what the future holds for you. Sure. Um, yeah. So my son uh, in ninth grade, my son uh, came to me because he'd worked in the business since he was, you know, between five and eight years old for whether he's empty and trash or sweeping or whatever. And in ninth grade, he came to me and said, are you going to be disappointed if I don't come into the company? And I said, I don't know. What do you want to do? And he said, I really want to be a teacher. So I thought about it for a minute and I said, then you need to be the best teacher you can because we need good teachers. And uh, so he went on that route and he got his uh, uh, first, uh, four-year degree in education. And then he went to the University of Dayton and got a, um, he was in a program um, where he actually taught school. They paid him half pay and they also paid for his college. So he got his master's there. And uh, then he actually got accepted into another program at Boston College and um, got married, went to Boston College and um, did one year there um, but things changed. And with all these mandates and being 26 years old at the time, he just didn't feel, um, that he needed to be there anymore. So he called me one day and he said, um, what would you think if I came back to the business? And I said, after we talked about everything happening there and I said, well, I want, if you come back to the business, I want you to come back because you want to come back, not just for something to do. Um, he said, no, I really want to come back. So he said, I want, I want to learn more about leadership. I want to, you know, train under you. And, um, and I, and, and I, and I want somewhere stability. I'm going to take, I'm going to go to college online and I just, I want somewhere for stability for at least five years. So it's been exciting. He's been back for probably four months now, and he's a field manager in training, doing a great job. Um, you know, he knew a lot about the culture. He does, he didn't know everything about, um, you know, the technical side of things. He just knew enough because he's just been, he's done, 
he's he's been a helper everywhere and he's been a delivery guy during the summer so he knows a little bit about it but he's he's excelling it's exciting to have him here and uh they bought a house and i don't know where this will go if he'll you know one day want to want to take it over or if he's gonna you know um just fulfill something else but gain experience here and work in the family business so wherever it goes it goes Thanks. Thanks for bringing it up because I I know it's it's a challenge for for a lot of folks when they when they start their business. Many folks started with the idea, hey, I, you know, I want to turn it over to my kids. And we, we had a client years ago. He actually named the he named the, the the business for his two sons, right? With the idea, hey, they're going to eventually take it over. And so I know many many parents have kind of gone through that. The, the, the answer is, hey, if your fifteen year old comes to your fourteen year old comes to you, it says one thing. Okay, take take it with a grain of salt because it's probably going to change you know, over the next over the next decade yeah. or so. It, it kind of see what happens. So right. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, this is this has been this has been fantastic, Greg. We really appreciate your time. Uh, where folks can find you, so, so, so McAfee Air, it's uh, at mcair.com. If, if you're in the in the Dayton kind of Miami Valley area, they, they, they can find you online there. And you mentioned your podcast. What what's the name of your podcast, Greg? And where can people find that? Sure, the podcast is the Greg McAfee Show. Okay, and it's on YouTube. It's on Apple. It's on uh, iHeart. Um, just about, you know, everywhere you can find it anywhere. If you just look at the Greg McAfee show and then I've got Greg McAfee.com um, where it talks about our coaching and training. Uh, so anywhere of those places, it's easy to, it's easy to link up to me. We do have an iron sharpens iron Facebook page um, where we um, it's all about, you know, it's all about business and sharpening each other. That's what the iron sharpens iron is all about. And uh, just encouragement, you know, keep going through tough times. And also I, I list a lot of different people. I highlight a lot of people in business that have really made things happen and raised the bar for our industry. And I try to highlight them periodically. Okay, that's awesome. And, and the, the quote you share with us that's, that's on the wall there, the comeback is always stronger than the setback. I think, I think that's a fantastic name and title for the show. And we'll, we'll put that in, we'll, we'll put that in there. And so thank Great. you again for, for, for your time today, Greg, really appreciate it. It's been wonderful uh, hearing your story. Appreciate you sharing it with our audience. So thank you, thank Adam. You, Greg. Thank Definitely. you, Jack. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And for, and for audience, thanks again for listening. If you missed any of our, our prior shows, you can get them all at dirty secrets of small business.com or better yet, much like with Greg's podcast, you can find our, our podcast at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to it. We usually drop a new show every every Thursday. You can get it then. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at radio at maximumvp.com or give us a call 877-849-0670. So that's our show for this week. Have a great week and we'll talk with you all next week. Next time.